When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome in to the NFL Mox Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin. And as always, we're coming to you live from the beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. And you know what it is. We've got a great show for you guys planned tonight. Unfortunately, we will not be joined by my better half, or at least my podcasting, or podcast, podcasting, podcasting better half in Sarah Bettinger. He is taking the night off because he's lazy and that's what he does. Just kidding, Sarah. We know you're busy. Um, but nonetheless, we've got a great show for you guys tonight. On tonight's episode of the NFL Mox Podcast, we're going to unveil our college football top fives. This will be a collection of random rankings from your traditional, you know, top five teams down to top five games and maybe, maybe even a, a top five units section where I'll give you my uh, estimation of the top five units in all of college football. And then, of course, like I said, we're going to hit the top five teams and the top five games and let you guys know when to be watching those and when to look out for those because everyone loves a good college football game on Saturday night, and uh, we will make you aware of all of those uh, things. But before we get into all that good stuff, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review. However, wherever you found this podcast, we appreciate you for doing that. That's how your boy gets paid. But nonetheless, feel free while you're also in a given mood to visit our website over at NFLMox.com uh, and check out anything you know draft-related or rookie uh, impact related or undrafted free agents, all that good stuff you can find over there at NFLMox.com. We've got a great team of writers and contributors and, of course, editors such as Sayer and my boy Dan. But um, while you're also there on the Internet checking out good stuff, head on over to maven.io forward slash Georgia. If you're a UGA Bulldogs fan like some of my local listeners are around here, if you like the Bulldogs, we're covering them well and in-depth over there at the Bulldog Maven. So, again, that's M-A-V-E-N dot I-O forward slash Georgia. Uh, and check out that for all your latest and greatest NFL news, or excuse me, UGA news and headlines for all the NFL news. You can check out NFLMocks.com. Now that that is all over with, let's get down to business and start ranking all these uh, top five national teams Starting with number one, obviously, with Clemson, man. You beat Nick Saban and them boys from Bama 44-16 to in a national championship game. I don't care if you did lose damn near 
every starter on your defense, uh, you earn the right to sit atop the preseason polls, and that's what Clemson's doing here. Not to mention the fact that they have the best player in all of college football, in my opinion, at the quarterback position. Uh, I, I really can't believe Trevor Lawrence has to play two more years of college football. Uh, my condolences to the rest of the ACC. And, uh, man, honestly, I just hope the young man stays healthy over the next, you know, 26 so-odd football games, 27, maybe 28 football games the young man plays over the next two years. I just hope he stays fully healthy because uh, I can't remember, uh, you know, a time where I've been as, as excited about a football prospect as Trevor Lawrence at the quarterback position. Man, we got to see him so young and so much last year as a true freshman, and he really looked poised. And, uh, you know, honestly, like one of the best players on that football field uh, in a game where, you know, you got Quentin Williams on the field and uh, Cleveland Farrell and all those boys from Clemson, the, the guys that stood out the most to me in last year's national championship game was the two freshmen, or were, excuse me, the two freshmen, uh, there in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross, his wide receiver cohort. So uh, two guys that they will definitely have back this year. And, again, two guys that got to spend two more years playing college football. So, again, sorry about that to the rest of the SEC. As for losing the whole defense thing, you know, they did lose a lot of guys to the NFL last year. They had two five-star uh, defensive ends in the 2018 class that enrolled with, uh, you know, Sunshine there and Trevor Lawrence in that 2018 class. They didn't obviously get to play very much last year. Uh, Xavier Thompson and K.J. Henry uh, will definitely uh, have to make an impact this year on Clemson's defensive line. But, you know, they've loaded up, recruited well, as Dabo Sweeney has traditionally done there uh, in his tenure at Clemson. Uh, Maybe it's that slide they've got in their new players' facility. I don't know what it is, but they seem to be doing it well out there in Clemson, so at Clemson, so... I don't expect too much issues, uh, not to mention the best coaching staff in all of football, in my opinion, uh, is there at Clemson. It's uh, rarely any turnover there at that school. Brent Venables, Venables, the best defensive coordinator in all of college football, hands down, bar none, uh, if you ask me. Uh, and just in terms of coordinator positions, obviously there's guys like Nick Saban, football defensive minds like Kirby Smart. Um, and even Dabo Swinney that are, you know, well, Dabo Swinney was a wide receivers coach before he was a head coach. But nonetheless, there's defensive minds in college football that are at the head coaching position. But I don't think there's a better defensive mind at a coordinator's position in all of college football other than Brent Vittables. Again, he's the best D coordinator in the country. And, man, he's been there with Dabo Swinney since 2012. Uh, he did obviously sign a historical extension for an assistant making about two, two and a half million dollars a year there in Clemson. But he's well paid for a reason. Like I said, I truly think he is the best coordinator uh, in all of college football, and he's going to stay there uh, in South Carolina at Clemson for quite some time, we are led to believe. So those are all my reasons why Clemson's number one. Let me give you why Alabama is number two on my rankings here, man. UGA has certainly recruited well enough to compete with Alabama in terms of sheer talent, and LSU does return 16 starters, eight on D and eight on offense. Um, And Ed Orgeron seems to be kind of settling in comfortably there at LSU and Baton Rouge. But until I see it done, Alabama still owns the SEC, which means they own a top two spot on any preseason rankings, um, or at least should, obviously. An SEC school better be one or two um, traditionally in these preseason rankings. Um, That dates back to as far as 
I can even remember covering college football. So Tua obviously comes back along with an insane receiving crew uh, that we'll obviously hit on a little bit later, hopefully. Got to tease it and please it. Uh, the offensive and defensive lines will look new, as they normally do at the very beginning of the season in Alabama. But as usual, they are flooded with NFL talent all over the field. Um, that's just something we've kind of come to expect here. Um, and obviously they've got Najee Harris back there in the backfield. So returning some good things, obviously lost some good things as they do, like we said, every year to the NFL draft, but things always look bright uh, in Tuscaloosa. The loudest offseason concern, obviously, or, you know, honestly, out of Tuscaloosa this summer has been Nick Saban's hip surgery that he had this offseason. And outside of that, man, it's kind of been mums the word, uh, kind of been just moving on as they typically do after a college football playoff run there in Tuscaloosa. So they sit right there at number two, on my board here. And then number three, a little hometown cooking here. I've got the University of Georgia Bulldogs, man. Look at this. Number six, number three, number one, and number two. Those are the rankings for UGA in terms of recruiting classes since Kirby Smart took over in Athens in 2016. Kirby Smart's staff has signed 17 total five stars in his four seasons, including seven five stars in the 2018 class. All of those guys, apart from Justin Fields, obviously, will be on the football field this year impacting this University of Georgia football team. So they've obviously been known across the country as running back you, and you know things won't get any different this year. Uh, they'll be, have a solid stable of backs led by DeAndre Swift uh, and a senior in Brian Herian, a uh, little Douglas County product right there. Shout out to the Ville um, yeah, so they'll have a stable back there as usual, along with Zeus, Zamir White, the uh, five-star freshman. Uh, he'll be coming back from a knee injury he suffered in the spring game. Uh, the other cons- the constant, excuse me, the other constant from past seasons, along with being RBU, has to be that quarterback Jake Fromm, right? He returns for his third season, um, but he's going to need some help in the weapons department, man. He lost four pass catchers to the NFL last year. Riley Ridley, Miko Hardman, Terry Godwin, and Isaac Nata, all gone, all departed to their new football team. So, you know, some ground to be made up in that wide receivers crew. But like we said, man, they are extremely, the depth's coming along at the University of Georgia, like we said, along with the wins, man. They've had two runs basically at the college football playoff in the last two seasons. So things are definitely looking up for Georgia. And the only way to go higher, obviously, is to beat Alabama, man. They got to get over that hump. They got to get over that monster in the West. And my number four team is a team that also has to get over that monster in the West, and it's LSU, man. Look, we've already said it. They return eight starters on both sides of the football. Uh, and in the SEC, that's incredibly rare, right? The, um, what do you call it? The, the turnover rate here in the SEC in terms of talent and players is incredible because so many of the guys are draft eligible. So many of the guys leave early nowadays for the NFL. So to, to have basically just to replace three guys on either side of the football, uh, that's incredible for this football team, and it should pay dividends this fall. Now, they will have to replace two defensive studs in Devin White and Greedy Williams, but I've got a feeling Grant Delpit might just make up for both those losses. Delpit is surely one of the nation's best players and is definitely a name you'll want to remember come draft time next season, uh, next spring, but he's definitely a name you're going to be hearing all football season. Oh, and they have that guy Joe. Um, LSU finally has a quarterback they believe in, Joe Burrows. And from all we've heard out of the Bayou this offseason, the Tigers plan on joining the rest of the league, uh, the rest of the NCAA in the year 2019, and they're going to be running the spread. That's right. LSU, of all people, Leonard Fournette's alma mater, uh, will be 
going to the spread this offseason or this season. They'll be spreading out. They'll be seeing a lot more shotgun. Um, for LSU fans, you'll be seeing about the only shotgun you've seen um, and God knows how long they're at LSU. As long as I can remember, they've been an I-formation, run-the-ball downhill football team. And now, man, they're getting kind of back to Ed Orgeron's roots. I know he sounds like the Bayou Bingo, and I know he sounds like that guy down there that just wants to run the football down everybody's throat. But you guys forget he was on those Lane Kiffin staffs out there at USC. He's traditionally a spread them and, and shoot them and gun them type of guy, um, even though he does have defensive ties um, traditionally, but most of his offensive coordinators throughout his tenure as you know interim head coaches across the country, uh, they've traditionally been set in a, a spread offense um, when he took over. Outside of LSU, obviously, when he took over uh, for less miles, they were obviously like we said running that I formation power back scheme. All right, so my number five team on my board is Oklahoma. And I know people are thinking number five might be a little too low for the Sooners. They, you know, uh, nationally are hanging around anywhere from two to four. No one's crazy enough to give them the number one ranking yet. Um, But here's my deal, man, and I hate to be that guy. I just don't think, I don't quite believe Jalen Hurts is any way, shape, or form the thrower of the football that Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield is and are, okay? Now, is he a winner? Does he win football games? Absolutely. He was SEC Offensive Player of the Year his, uh, what, redshirt freshman year there at Alabama. But Lincoln Riley's offense is cultivated on the idea that his quarterbacks will complete 69 to 70% of their passes. If you don't believe me, go check the stat books on both Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Since Lincoln Riley has taken over at head coach, uh, Baker Mayfield's last two seasons in college football, he was exactly 70% completion percentage. And last year, Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy winner, was at 69%. So, granted, a good portion of this game, uh, you know, of this offense out there in Oklahoma is a quick game scheme, uh, getting the ball to their weapons as fast as possible. But it still requires the quarterback to be an accurate thrower of the football. So, I just don't believe, like I said, that Jalen Hurts is, you know, along the same patterns and along the same lines uh, in terms of a pure thrower of the football as Kyler Murray and, and Baker Mayfield. And I think that's very, very important because this team is going to absolutely have to score points. Look, the other problem on this football team that I've got is the defense. It's downright horrendous. Last season they were 101st in points allowed, 114th in total defense, and they were dead last in passing yards allowed. Uh, Swiss cheese is an absolute understatement when talking about this football team's defense. Look, it's just not good. They fired Mark Stoops last year, uh, midseason. They kind of scra- or you know, uh, scavenged to get it done the rest of the season and gave up. You know, the defense got slightly better after their uh, defense coordinator was fired. Maybe a little motivation, uh, a little fire up underneath the butts of those young men. But now they bring in Alex Grinch, who um, you know, to me, he's most famously. At least in my mind, he's most famously known for that funky shifting defense he had up there at Washington State uh, before spending a year at Ohio State. This was Mike Leach's defensive coordinator. And granted, he did turn Washington State's defense around. And if you can get my, any, any Mike Leach defense, if you can get any Mike Leach defense to be ranked in the top 25 in any statistical category, my hat's off to you. I think you've done a tremendous job of coaching because he just doesn't invest um, in terms of recruiting uh, and assets into the defensive side of the football. And uh, Alex Grinch, you know, turned chicken salad out of chicken, if you will. Um, So Alex Grinch, good hire there at Oklahoma. But again, Swiss cheese, absolute understatement for this Oklahoma defense. 
and it's not like, you know, any five-star recruits are going there to play defense football. I can't remember. I can't even tell you the last time Oklahoma had a defensive player drafted uh, in the NFL draft. I know for a fact they didn't put one in the league last year uh, or potentially even the year before. So I'd have to go back and look at that. Um, but it's been quite a while. So that's why Oklahoma's sitting in my number five. Just to recap, I got Clemson at one, Bama at two, UGA there at three with room to grow. Uh, LSU at four with Joe Burrows at quarterback, and then Oklahoma there at five. And again, man, I think Oklahoma's going to run rough shot of the Big 12 just because I'm not really seeing anything uh, too hot and heavy coming out of the Big 12 just yet. Um, but that's my just general consensus on that right there. I mean, big, if, if Oklahoma, you know, traditionally they do lose a game here or there. They might lose the, you know, the Red River rivalry to Texas or might drop a game to Ohio State out of nowhere or, you know, Bedlam's always crazy there between them and Oklahoma State. So they're bound to drop a game. But, again, I think they've got a firm hold and a firm grasp of the Big 12 out there uh, as long as Lincoln Riley's that head football coach and as long as Texas seems to be down. Look, I know Sam Ellinger's coming back, but I'm not so high on the Texas football team. They've lost more starters in the Big 12 than most football teams out there. So um, they're going to have to replace a lot. Now, that goes for my top five football teams. Now let's get into the top five games. These are games you're going to absolutely want to tune into this football season, starting with my number one matchup. It's got to be that Notre Dame at University of Georgia football game, man. This is going to be a blazer of a football game. The last matchup between these two teams in 2017 up there in South Bend was an incredible football game, man. UGA edged them out up there 20-19. to And believe it or not, that was Jake Fromm's first career start, man. What a way to do it. What a first start in your college football career. You get to go up to South Bend, play your first ever, not only make your first start, but you get to play in your first ever road game uh, there at Notre Dame, and you squeak out a late, uh, late fourth quarter victory there, 20 to 19 as a true freshman. Uh, must have been a feeling there. Obviously, he replaced the injured Jacob Eason. Uh, Eason blew out his knee in the first game of that season in 2017 against App State. We'll see Eason this year over there in Washington uh, for Chris Peterson. So we'll see what he can get done. Uh, but nonetheless, back to this Notre Dame UGA game. This is rumored to be the most expensive football game. Uh, and football ticket of the season. In fact, before the show, I looked a little bit into it. If you wanted to sit on the 50-yard line, say, uh, for example, just let's just say, you know, I want to watch this game, Brooks, dead on the 50-yard line. Let's call it five rows up. Um, it's going to cost you just over 2200 bucks. all right? In fact, the cheapest ticket I could find, even in the nosebleeds, I'm talking the 300 sections, was 580 bucks. That's not an exaggeration. That is the truth. Go check out Vivid Seats or wherever you check out your ticket prices. Uh, this game is going to be incredible. Um, but, you know, we can't pay these players, right? We can sell these tickets for 580 bucks for the, for the nosebleeds, but we ain't got no money to pay these players. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, LSU at Texas is my number two football game, man. These two teams haven't met since the 2003 Cotton Bowl. Uh, just for a little refresher here, if you guys don't remember that football game, Chris Sims was the quarterback of the Longhorns. They went on to route the LSU Long or the LSU Tigers 35 to 20. Um, and this time they will face off, obviously, in week two of this young football season, man. So we've got some really good football games early. Uh, obviously, 
the the NCAA football season kicks off with Miami and Florida this year uh, in that weird week zero. They added a weekend on us. Uh, they've got two bye weeks now. Every uh, Division One football team does, which is kind of weird. Uh, I'm not going to complain though. It gives college football just another additional week there. It's not like you know if I only watched one football team during college football season, I'd be a little upset. But there's plenty to go around uh, in terms of college football. Where are we at? Oh, we're back at this LSU. In Texas game, man, this is a huge game for both of these schools, um, you know, not just in terms of their seasons, but more for recruiting, man. Imagine how many good players each of them lose to one another over the recruiting trails between LSU and Texas. They do share a border right there, um, and they, they, they battle over a lot of prospects, man. LSU dips over into Texas, into East Texas, and tries to pull a lot of guys over there out of that state and bring them out of state to LSU, and vice versa. There's some really good football talent in the state of Louisiana. It's picking up and, and getting hotter and heavier there out there, especially heavier. There's some big old offense linemen eating that uh, good old Bayou Cajun food down there. Um, but, you know, just in terms of recruiting trails and bragging rights, man, it's going to be something these guys, these coaching staffs can brag about over the next, you know, foreseeable future. These teams don't play very often. As I told you, they haven't played in 16 seasons. So um, a pretty big football game there uh, out at uh, in Austin. That's where LSU will travel out there and play at Texas. So my number three game on the board has to be Auburn versus Oregon. They're going to be playing at Jerry's World. And I'm interested in this game for one reason and one reason only, and that's just to see Justin Herbert face an SEC defense, especially one the quality of Auburn, man. Auburn's uh, – excuse me, Oregon's – Offensive line should, you know, be able to hold up decently in pass, bro. But Auburn's defense line can absolutely get after it. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. As for Oregon's defense, man, they've ramped it up a little bit um, since Mario Cristobal's gotten there. You know, high-energy football coach there. They're still running the full, uh, you know, the spread and attack uh, football game. Still running a lot of high-tempo stuff. Uh, but Justin Herbert, obviously, is the one the, – the guy we're talking about here and the guy, I, like I said, I'm interested to see. Definitely a first-round talent at the quarterback position. My quarterback number uh, number two going into, uh, you know, next – this college football season as we listed on the NFL Mox podcast a couple weeks back. I don't remember exactly which episode that is, but that's pretty – that's just as simple as going down your feed right there. Uh, it's labeled 2020. Uh, quarterbacks, NFL, you know, top five 2020 quarterbacks, something like that. Anyways, you can find it. Uh, Tua was number one. Justin Herbert was number two, just for a little spoiler alert there. But back to this Auburn-Oregon football game, man. I think it's going to be a good one. A clash of styles here. Obviously, you got the big, bulky uh, Auburn football team, uh, the SEC, uh, you know, perennial I wouldn't call them a powerhouse, but they're definitely a perennial fighter, if you will, in the SEC. And then Oregon, man, totally, like we said, totally different style. They're going to spread and run on you. And, of course, it's a rematch of that 2011, the season of 2010. This is the Cam Newton National Championship game, man. Uh, it's a rematch of that football game. So we'll get to see that. Um, all things to look forward to in my number three matchup of the season. And the number four, man, a traditional one, one we get every single year, and we love it every single time. It's that LSU at Alabama football game, man. This game would be obviously much higher up on my list if it were being played in Death Valley out there uh, in Baton Rouge. But even without, with, even without it being, I think LSU has a legitimate chance to make this game interesting this football season. Um, but just – for a little, ba uh, little recap here, LSU hasn't beaten Alabama 
at all since the 2011 uh, game. That's the famous 9-6 to super game, if you will. Um, just a little quick side note here, something I wanted to mention to you guys, and you can feel free to get at my mentions on Twitter, at Brooks underscore Austin FS. Man, does anybody remember how big of a buildup there was leading into that 9-6 to super game there in Tuscaloosa? Man, LSU ended up winning that football game, obviously, like we talked about. But all I can remember is – all I can remember about is that game just being billed as, you know, the nation's, or excuse me, uh, the game of the century, if you will. So just something crazy to remember. Um, and maybe we get a game turned out like that. I doubt it. I hope it's not, you know, field goal filled. That was the obviously the famous, that, probably the start of Alabama's kicking woes. Uh, Alabama's kicker famously missed two field goals in that game. They obviously lose by three. Um, so at least if he made one of that, probably going to overtime there uh, in the game of the century. Uh, but they missed both of them. So Alabama goes on to lose that game. But it's okay. They end up getting them back in the national championship, the BCS national championship game back there uh, in the 2012 BCS national championship game. And they beat them, I think, 20 to nothing. So real, both games, real freaking snoozers. Um, but nonetheless, let's hope this one turns out to be rather interesting. Um, at least in terms of just firepower, it's going to be cool. So um, that's my number four game. Moving on to number five. You got to look at the Notre Dame at Michigan game here for number five. And, man, you want to talk about two brutal-ass road games. First, go down to Athens in week three and play Georgia. And then five weeks later, go on the road to the big house and play Michigan, man. Yowzers. That's tough scheduling, but it's something you got to do if you're Notre Dame and you don't have a conference, right? They're still the only, you know, one of these funky teams outside of maybe, the, I think, even the damn uh, – even the, what do you call them, the Army, Navy, even those teams have uh, conferences nowadays, I believe. But Notre Dame is still an independent school, and if you're going to get into the playoffs nowadays without a conference championship game, you're going to have to schedule the big dogs, and Notre Dame definitely did. So good kudos to them, but you're going to have to go out and perform. Now, Notre Dame pulled this game out of their hat last year in a really, really close football game. Their uh, you know, opening week, I think, is either way, but one of the very first Big games for these two teams uh, outside of the tune-ups that they play traditionally at the very beginning of the season. Um, but, you know, these games in this series have been traditionally close and hard fought outside of that. I think it was 2014. Uh, it was a 31 to nothing football game. But nonetheless, they typically play them within eight points, uh, you know, a, a touchdown at least in these football games. So look for it to be a tight one and tight late. So those are my top five football games that you're not going to want to miss uh, some ones we didn't mention, obviously, that Miami and Florida game that opens up the season. Stanford goes to UCF this year, uh, which would be an interesting football game. I wish Mackenzie Milton was healthy and playing for that game. We get to see K.J. Costello versus Mackenzie Milton, which I think would be rather interesting. Um, you know, obviously, Georgia goes on the road to play Auburn, probably their toughest regular season football game, considering they didn't draw Alabama or LSU out of the West this season. Um, so that's probably Georgia's best game on the schedule. Um, just off the top of my head, man, there's a couple of other good ones um, there throughout the season. But those are my top five. And just to recap one more time, we got Notre Dame at UGA. That's week three here in Athens. LSU at Texas. That's week two of the football season. Auburn versus Georgia. That's week one. LSU at Bama. I think they play week nine or ten. Uh, it's typically a late-season football game. And then Notre Dame at Michigan, that's week nine. You're definitely going to want to tune in to that one as well. So those are my top five football games of the season. 
hopefully uh, those live up to the bill. Now, man, let's get into these top five units, something I'm pretty uh, proud of here. Did a little research, and uh, these are absolutely the best units in college football, if you ask me. Uh, Going to be pretty offensive heavy at the very beginning, but we'll get to the defensive guys towards the back end of this list. Starting with my number one crew, uh, number one core unit in all of college football has to be that Alabama receiving core, man. Just to start off, a little guy named by the name of Jerry Judy. Um, to me, man, he's the best wide receiver in the country. Every time he touches the ball, he's obviously a threat to score from anywhere on the field at this point. Uh, and he and Tua Tugavailoa, uh, their chemistry is beyond in sync at this point, or at least it better be uh, with all the routes they've ran together at this point throughout their career. Now we got Henry Ruggs. Uh, as their number two receiver, and to be honest with you, he'd be a top receiver at almost any other school in the country, and he's got ridiculous amounts of speed. Uh, A high school tracks phenom uh, there was Henry Ruggs. Uh, So we'll get to see him again this year. He wears number 11 there, Judy's number four. Uh, Definitely look out for those two guys this season. They're going to be making highlight plays. And then there's this little guy named Jalen Waddle, and he's not little, and I don't mean to say that. Um, But, you know, as a true freshman last year, he caught 45 balls for 848 yards and seven touchdowns there. Um, You know, Jerry Judy's going to draw a lot of attention, as is Henry Ruggs, which allows a guy like Jalen Waddle to get off and get off often there in that offense. All right, so my number two group and core we're going to take has to be that Clemson's wide receiver core. We're going to stay uh, in the te- in terms of we're going to stick to the theme of wide receivers here, man. Justin Ross came on the scene last year in the national championship game, becoming seemingly a household name with his acrobatic catches, and he might not even be the main target this season, okay? As a, as a sophomore, uh, there's a guy by the name of T. Higgins there at Clemson. Uh, he was the ACC's highest-rated receiver last season, according to Pro Football Focus. And again, man, you've got, in my opinion, the nation's best quarterback throwing you footballs there in Trevor Lawrence. So these guys are going to light it up. Uh, you got Travis Etienne in the backfield, so he's going to take, you know, you're going to have to dedicate uh, some attention in the box to that guy because Clemson will be running the football even though Trevor Lawrence might throw for, I don't know, 3,500, 4,000 yards this season, something crazy. Uh, you might might throw for 40-some-odd touchdowns uh, as a sophomore here. And, again, man, uh, for most of these guys, even T. Higgins, if he wanted to come back as a senior next year, he definitely could, but I'm sure he'll be entering the draft um, after this following season. All right, so that's my number two group, uh, the Clemson wide receivers group. All right, number three, the third best unit in all of college football is that University of Georgia offensive line. Coach Sam Pittman has done an incredible job of recruiting offensive linemen to the University of Georgia, and he's done an even better job, in my opinion, of developing these talents, man, because offensive linemen especially, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to see a guy's big, fast, and strong in high school, oftentimes these five-star offensive linemen are so much bigger and so much stronger than their competition that they're just rag-tossing guys, not a lot of technique. Uh, but all these five-stars, in my opinion, that definitely are starting and making an impact on this offensive line at Georgia, they've gotten inc- you know insurmountably better as football players since being at the University of Georgia, and that's probably why Coach Sam Pittman continues to get five-star commitments from guys like Tate Ratledge, uh, and flipping those guys, and Broderick Jones, uh, and all those kind of guys, and flipping them from big schools like Tennessee and Alabama. But back to this current offensive line at the University of Georgia. Look, man, 
Andrew Thomas is one of the nation's top 10 overall players in general. Not just offensive linemen, overall players. Uh, he's playing left tackle for the Dogs. And again, man, he's a surefire first-rounder uh, in this upcoming draft. Then there's monsters at guard like Solomon Kinley and Ben Cleveland. Uh, ben Cleveland, fun fact, stands 6'6", 335. And I'm not lying to you when I tell you that he has a six-pack at 300, almost 40 pounds. It's absolutely terrifying. It makes no sense. He looks like a mountain or a bear of a man, if you will. Um, their right tackle, Isaiah Wilson, even has a shot at leaving early for the NFL draft after this season. So I honestly think you could have four offensive linemen come out of Georgia this year in the NFL draft. I really could. I, Andrew Thomas, absolutely no doubt about it, uh, going to be a first-round draft pick. And then, again, the guards, Solomon Kinley and Ben Cleveland, have a chance to potentially leave early if they get a proper evaluation. And Isaiah Wilson, the redshirt sophomore, they're at right tackle, a big man, 6'7", 340 pounds. He's got a shot uh, if he plays well uh, in his second year starting at right tackle for the University of Georgia. So that's my number one offensive line court in the country. It's not, it, to me, it's not even close. A lot of people try to tell you Clemson. Uh, I just don't think Clemson has the top-end talent. Uh, may have the depth uh, a little bit better than Georgia because Georgia's depth is going to come from, you know, true freshmen and really young football players this year if somebody gets hurt. But – uh, you know, and maybe a guy like Cade Mays, a, a five-star red shirt, you know, no, excuse me, he'll be a sophomore this year because he got playing time last year. But anyways, too much on the offensive line talk. I know that guy's uh, bores you down or, or, you know, you know, weighs you down a little bit. Let's get back to some skill guys. Uh, with my number four uh, unit in all of college football is the LF, LSU defensive backs crew. Man, this group's really top-end heavy. Uh, and I don't mean to slight the other three guys in the group. The, the first guy's just so damn good. And it's Grant Delpit, man. I, but I believe in this young man so much, they get the nod here at number four, man. He's that good, uh, I think, even without the other three guys that compliment him in this defensive backs crew. They're, the, the LSU DBs will be fine this year with Grant Delpit back there, seemingly by himself. Uh, but he's not going to be by himself. Look, add to Delpit, they've got – Christian Fulton, who's an incredible corner, and free, safe, free safety Jacoby Stevens, both returning as starters. Obviously, we already talked about the LSU football team returning a lot of guys, um, but they are going to have to trot out a talented true freshman, Derek Stingley Jr., uh, there at the cornerback position opposite of, you know, Christian Fulton. Um, but, you know, Derek Stingley reported to be the next guy, the next, the next big thing out of DBU there at LSU for the Tigers. So, again, Ed Orgeron settling in a little bit, uh, and it's hard not to feel comfortable when you got a defensive backs crew that looks like that uh, in, a, in a league nowadays. that they're, It's the SEC. I know they still want to run the football, but they're slinging it around pretty well there, especially in the West with teams like Texas A&M uh, and Missouri. Well, Missouri's in the East now. They throw the football a lot. But nonetheless, you get my point. Uh, everyone in college football is throwing it nowadays. They're all playing shotgun. Even LSU getting into the spread of all places. So, number five, my last uh, thing we'll talk about tonight is that Auburn defensive line. Derek Brown is an absolute hoss, and for some reason he wanted to return to the Plains down in Auburn uh, this year for his senior year, despite being a first-round talent, uh, despite receiving a first-round talent evaluation in this past uh, NFL draft. So, um, you know, I, don't, I can't really understand that decision other than, you know, that's his. Maybe he just wanted to go back because he loved Auburn. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that at all, um, uh, except for it's Auburn football. you got to go back. You know, you were 8-5 and five last football season. Not a lot of uh, – I didn't see a lot of passion out of Auburn after they lost a couple games early. 
You know, that's the kind of thing about college football nowadays. If you lose a couple of ones early, you, the kids know they're already automatically out of the college football playoff. And at that point, it's like, yeah, I guess we'll go play for the bowl game, uh, whatever. We'll go out to, you know, someplace in Louisiana. Uh, what's that? Ah, uh, dang. I'm forgetting the 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 town out there. Anyways, um, you know, go to some, you know, Tampa and go to some bowl game down there in the Outback Bowl or something. And that's all the kids have really have to look forward to. But for some reason, Derek Brown signed back up for it. Um, and add on top of Derek Brown there in the interior, you got some edge rushers that are pretty damn good. Uh, starters Marlon Davidson and Nick Coe return, who alone last season had 28 and a half tackles for loss and 15 sacks among the two of them. So, you know, that's my top five groups uh, or units, if you will. Uh, love, absolutely love the Alabama receivers core. Uh, it's going to be hard for Tua not to be successful there in that offense. Clemson's receiving core, again, is incredible there. Uh, UGA's offensive line, to me, again, is hands down the best offensive line in the country. Uh, probably doesn't have the depth that some other offensive lines have as, of, as, we, speak, as we sit here today. Um, some of those young guys are going to have to develop and develop early. Um, but assuming they have health, man, they're going to be all right. Uh, and they damn sure got that running backs to prove it uh, and find the holes behind them. Uh, that LSU defensive backs crew is insane with Grant Delpit leading the way. And that Auburn defensive line is something to, you know, look out for in the SEC. Uh, granted, they're going to have their own offensive issues there with Gus Malzone trying to find a quarterback this season. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're, talk we're here to talk about the good things, and that's what we gave you. All right, that is the show for tonight. We appreciate you guys for listening to me and me only. Uh, sorry about my partner, Sarah, not being here. I know that's the one you guys really come here to listen to. Um, but nonetheless, we had to bring you some content and get it out to you on this beautiful what will be Friday morning, uh, considering we're recording this on a Thursday evening here on the East Coast. We appreciate you guys for listening. Like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you found us. Check out NFLMocks.com. And, of course, again, man, all you UGA football lovers, all you UGA athletic fans uh, in the uh, Georgia area here locally, you want to check out some good Georgia coverage check out maven.io forward slash georgia that's m-a-v-e-n dot i-o forward slash g-e-o-r-g-i-a we'll see you guys next time on uh tuesday night man we'll have uh you know or excuse me tuesday morning monday night we'll be recording with my boy sarah we appreciate you guys for listening we'll see you next time when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.